So Steph, what's the new giveaway? Yep. So this week we're giving away two of the Misfit Vapor smartwatches. So we're you know partnering with Beta, as you guys have probably heard in the past few weeks, and we're highlighting some of the best tech gear products that's out there right now. So this week, the Misfit Vapor 2. Yeah. And when I saw this watch, I didn't know anything about it. You were doing the unboxing, you checked it out. And what type of things does it do? Because it looks like it tracks just about everything or as much as you want to. Yep. So it does health tracking. It has a GPS on there so you can see where you're at. It has a lot of smart suggestions, which are really nice. So when you're doing the unboxing of the watch, you can kind of go through each screen to see the functionalities, which are really nice. Because I feel like a lot of times with these smart watches, there's a lot of... They're hard to get set up. Yeah, super hard to get set up. A lot of features that you don't even know existed until you read about it. So the smart suggestion feature was just cool because you swipe through and it's like, here's your step count. Here's your health metrics. Here's notifications and, you know, from your text, your calendar invite, all that throughout the day. Here's the weather. So really cool. And also I liked it because it has different band sizes where, you know, my wrist is pretty small and usually things don't fit my wrist. And this is just perfect because it was a nice fit, very clean, sleek and small. So we're giving away two of these smartwatches. If you go to mission.org slash giveaway, you can enter to win and get more entries by referring friends. And we'll see you there. Yes. And all your friends that you refer are going to get are world class or as I just read on Twitter, there's, we're getting some hate mail about the newsletter, but we're also, we've never got more likes before. So we, I think this is a good what sign. What hate mail are you talking about? I just got some, uh, just got some. Really? Yes. Yeah. It's pretty funny though. Should we call them out? It made me smile. What's no, their name? No, no, no I, already, I already did. Um, no, we'll, we'll have a special segment for hate mail later. But uh, yeah, so you'll get that newsletter when you sign up. You'll get uh, entries into the giveaway and you can get more by referring friends. So sign up. You can win a Vapor 2, uh, which has everything from heart rate monitoring, a built-in GPS, and an NFC chip for contactless payments. That's pretty cool. Sign up to win. And now, on to the show. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you are listening to Mission Daily, selected as Best of 2018 by Apple. Mission Daily is the number one podcast for accelerated learning. Hi there, and welcome to Mission Daily. On today's episode, we have Alex Weber. Alex is a motivational comedian, an American Ninja Warrior, an award-winning host, and a keynote speaker. Alex has worked with major companies such as ESPN, LinkedIn, and the Los Angeles Lakers, among many others. His personal mission is to empower people to take action and push past their fears to achieve what they really want in life. In today's episode, Chad and Alex discuss the importance of humor in our daily lives, why being unafraid to suck at something is key to achieving greatness, and what competing at lacrosse has taught him about life. Where'd you grow up? New York. Uh, Westchester County. How about you? A small town in Western Maryland called Boonesboro. Boonesboro. Daniel Boone founded it. Yeah, not many people there. <laughs> How Western? Not as far as Frostburg, so like not okay. the boondocks, but... An hour outside of DC. Got it. Yeah. Cool, man. What about, how, how big was your? Yeah, no, it's similar. Like about an hour outside of New York City. So I'm sure it was like a similar cool. vibe. Yeah, yeah. So we were talking earlier before we uh, turned on the mics, and you're here for a comedy class at, yeah. at GSB. So yeah. what brought you out here? Is it a workshop? Is it a class? It's um, it's super cool. Jennifer Acker and Naomi Bagdanis. Um, and I've known Naomi through work, and and now friends. Um incredible they do a humor is serious business course uh for stanford graduate school of business Very cool. um 
And, and I love it. Um, a lot of my work is in positivity and I feel like humor and positivity go hand in hand. Um, and what I really love about it is rather than viewing it as like this garnish, that's like sure. this nice to have, but not a need to have, um, that humor is actually an effective means for success. I completely agree. Yeah. Because who says I, I want to laugh less? Yeah. Does, totally. does anybody have that goal? Like people don't outwardly say that they want more humor. But right. when you laugh or when you come back from a weekend or an offsite where you laughed even a handful of times more than you did at a previous yeah. one, I feel like it's memorable. So when was that moment for you where you realized that not only is laughing great, but you wanted to make a lot of other people laugh? Um, it's such a good question. Or is it a handful of moments or, or were there a couple early times where you landed something where you're like, whoa. Yeah, like I, I totally have the jester syndrome. Like I, like <laughs> I was, uh, like I was an accident kid. Uh, like so hard, and so growing up, especially like now, if I look back at it, like with that lens, sure. yeah. when my brother and sister left the house to go to college, it was when I was in sixth grade, and that's like middle school years were where I like would come home and like do bits for my parents and like especially in class too uh gosh i'm like remembering this now it sounds like a space was created for experimentation that yeah where you, where you could come home and it was like where's the content what's the play what's exactly. the what's the entertainment gonna be and, and i think it also you know again like looking at it through probably a therapy lens was a little bit yeah. of like i love my dad uh he's an intense dude and he mm -hmm. can be like very intense so like one of the, the go-to bits was before he would grab the phone bill i would grab it before him and put on his glasses and do the like the classic like what do you got to talk to your grandma about for 20 minutes like <laughs> you know diffusing the situation yeah. you know definitely um and i i think a lot of people will point to like i don't know i don't want to use the word like tragic but like scarring or um sure impactful moments as like f humor and i think what's interesting about those moments too is that you're getting better right yeah it's so hard that as a person too you're getting more interesting and that's something that we don't want to judge ourselves too harshly but you also want to like it's fun to make people laugh yeah you know it's fun to have look back at that day and be like i remember these two times that i made these people laugh yeah. and now it, because we're like our relationships changing or it's moving in this direction if there's humor involved, I feel like the journey can become fun. It's like you always have fun memories. But if you don't have that, I feel like it's a bland because times in my life where I haven't laughed a lot or I've gone through like a period of depression or something like that, they're always kind of marked by like an absence of humor. So yeah. I would love to hear you talk about that some. So for anyone out there that's listening, that's thinking like, I, I can't even think about laughing right now. You know, what, what do you say to those folks? Or have you ever gone through a moment like that? Or yeah, which, what are your thoughts there? It's a great question. Um, you know, they always say like in comedy, sometimes it's time and like time is the variable that allows something to be funny. Sometimes maybe it's our sensitivity goes down or it's rawness. There's like this range of time kind of like for that's perfect for each. Yeah. Or, or and I like. think that's all case by case. You know, there's like sometimes comics will do like a joke of like about Abe Lincoln and then button it with like too soon. Like, you know, cause it's like, sure. I've been hundreds of years. Yeah. I think don't fact check me, but, uh, like um, I'm, hor I'm horrible at math too. So. Yeah. Well, I'll get to your your question. Yeah. Because um, it's it's like very poignant. Um, but I, like an entry point to that is for humor. Um, 
Like whatever you're going through is an express route to what's funny. Right. And the more honest you can be about those feelings, the higher the probability that other people are going through something similar, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. And then it's like cathartic to connect with it. And then, yeah. So I cut you off cathartic because that's where. Yeah. I I think it's just like, it's illuminating of us as people to be able to like, like now, like I just moved in to like my own place living alone and I don't love it. And like, I'm like, now I'm like mining it for jokes. Cause it's like, why don't I love it? And I'm like, well, it's way too much me time. Like I, like I, you know, I thought I needed roommates for rent. I needed them to give a buffer to me. Like, you know, sure. Yeah. So I, I think whatever it is that, uh, you are going through right now, uh, humor is just a lens of viewing it. Maybe getting some distance or something from it. Yeah. 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 yeah and, and not getting too wrapped up in it. Yeah. And I think it takes the air out of its power a little bit. Like if we can joke about it, then yeah. it's not so mighty. Right. You know, it, right. it, it cuts it down a little bit. It's a starting point to solving it too, right? Yeah. The second exactly. you yeah. laugh about something is the second you're not scared of it. It's the second you so true. don't care what other people think about it. Yeah. So what's a go-to strategy or like when you're getting ready to go to these classes, um, what, what are some lessons that you always like to incorporate or what are your go-to lessons that you always want to make sure everyone leaves like after they hear those? Yeah, that's such a good point. There's a few. Um, some are related to humor and some are not. One is just like the power of want is something that I find fascinating. Sure. Um, I just think it's so incredible when someone decides that they really want to do something like you, you're not going to stop them. Like yeah. they're going to do it. And right. if you look at history of like really great things, really, really horrible things or really like weird things, Burning Man, like uh, if people are, if they want to do something, they're going to pull it off. So I think being honest with ourselves and tapping into like, all right, what do I really want to do? Yeah. The biggest thing that I've learned uh, and I like did a TEDx talk about it, um, but was really an incredible experience was I had like, you know, reached a, a, a whatever, been successful at a few things and like been really good at sports. And then I got thrown into this role with American Ninja Warrior. And also at that time was when I was like, I got to go for broke on stand up and like really do it. Mm-hmm. So I was like sucking so hard at American Ninja Warrior. And then I would get in the car and drive the stand up and suck so hard there. Uh, so it was like literally really tough. Yeah, but it was it was such a blessing because uh, what I learned from that at least you could stop thinking about sucking an American Ninja Warrior just, just get to the con because you can't think about anything else I'd imagine when you're up on stage what I learned from all of that and I hope that I can communicate to anyone is like everything in this world is learnable um, like everything it doesn't matter where you grew up it doesn't matter if you're a numbers person or you're naturally funny or yes those things may put you off to a better start right but if you want to do it like everything is learnable and usually the biggest variable is us enduring sucking like us actually showing up and being frustrated and embarrassed and humbled and yeah you know and sometimes yeah. that can be so daunting that we stop but uh just the awareness that that period ends that's it yeah definitely and i think like there's a, a bunch of quotes about this about where it's like the fool it pre he, the, the fool always comes before the savior or the the the, the hero basically like you're never going to be a hero unless you first go through a period of don quixote style like right. aspirations basically and right you're gonna have to grow out of it you're gonna have to get out of it and you obviously like did you you skyrocketed past those like early experiences so how, how did you go from practicing or getting started with american ninja warrior and stand up and how, how did you why did you even attempt different things that are like disparate fields where most people would be content with just one thing i i think i like 
the fullness of like I I enjoy the their different experiences um but it's really interesting to see what the parallels and also the differences of like the community of American Ninja Warrior athletes and then the stand up comedian communities right and there's like there's a lot of parallels there's like fortitude and determination and showing up and bouncing back I don't know I think I'm like just drawn to uh it sounds so like douchey. I like that they're hard. So just by the way, you're, you're allowed to say this too. My team gave me such a hard time because I like, I was telling a couple stories at the offsite and I was like, just in case this sounds like this, this or this, don't worry. Let me get to the punchline. But you have to make that caveat now, right? Yeah. Because like, I think a lot of people are on the lookout. Like I, I don't like saying some of that stuff, but I feel like a lot of people are on the lookout for comedians or anybody to like misspeak kind of. Do, do, oh, do, sure. Do, do you feel like there's like a, 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 yeah. a group of people like I that mean, or is that not real is that just uh, something that we are overthinking things and kind of like stopping ourselves from just going for it i think that here's the bottom line yeah um if it's funny it's funny but what's difficult is that humor is subjective and yeah. humor if taken out of context and put it on a written page personalizing humor is pretty tough yeah i mean my personally me I have no intention or desire to go anywhere near um, controversial stuff. Right. Because it's also, that's not, I'm not passionate about that either. Yeah. Um, I think there are people who are passionate about doing maybe controversial material that has to do with sex or politics or race. And I think if that is what they really want to do, then they should do it. What I'm more passionate about is people progressing past their fears and failures and and achieving what like fills up their heart yeah i'm just not gonna go into that yeah <laughs> i love it too because positivity is something that uh you can talk about it it can get used as much as you want in books or business school mm -hmm. but actually getting that started in business is something that it's not happening i don't, I don't think the rate at which workplace cultures are becoming positive is uh I think that's slowing down and i would say it's actually stopping so really yeah because if you look at the formation of new business ventures it's falling and it's falling pretty fast like so whether it's startups hmm. or small businesses or although vc backed companies and the amount of money of vc is increasing that's about the only thing that is um so i feel like the business world needs a shakeup, especially the early stage wow. business world and humor is like obviously a good shakeup. but how do we go about introducing humor all the way, you know, from startups to small businesses yeah. to all the way up to the C-suite. Um, how are you thinking about that? Or um, are there any stories you can share? Well, I think you nailed it in, in, in something you mentioned, which is like, if we're being, uh, if we're using hu uh, humor to like view our, where we're at, right? Uh, it's a very honest baseline of, you're not like putting on pretenses. If you're like, we got a huge uphill battle, like, this is all of us we're being like courageous and even embarking on this startup together at least it's like an honest baseline of like all right yep okay we are but to like come in and and uh i just think we're so hardwired to detect realness yeah, yeah. and and yep. people putting on and fake and agreed conning or whatever agreed so i think humor is just an express route to being like very honest about where we are, where we want to go and how we want to get there. Does humor just come from the authentic person, from the the person that's just like wearing their heart on their sleeve yeah. and just like not think you feel like that's the type of person that's most likely to create funny situations? I think anyone can be funny and there's definitely people who 
simply comment on exterior situations. But I think I I love humor. My favorite humor in like comedians and even in life is when people let us into their world and who they are and what they think and what makes them unique. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that we're we're doing in this in this course at, at at Stanford is and I'm just, you know, a guest lecturer there and, and honored to be a part. Um but one thing that I'm you know, encouraging the students to do is to be honest about like gentle sensitivities, like things that they're sensitive about. Right. But like, and, and, and we were talking with your team, like I joke that I come off bro or look bro like sure. I want to explain Flip Cup to you. Like, My name's Chad. So yeah, I, name's Chad, I, totally. I got, yeah, like I, there have been a bunch of creative teams where I've worked with where I'll start talking or like somebody will ask me about like technical marketing or automation or something like that. And I'll answer it. I'll actually answer their question and they'll be like shocked and I'll be like, yeah. Right there with you. That's awesome. No, it's so true because I think that whether we ex- uh, explicitly say it or not, they're thinking it. They're thinking it. Yeah. So might as well just own it. <laughs> yep. You know. And then plus, you get a fun moment of connection too, where they laugh about yes. the fact that they were like, yes, because they're basically admitting that they're judging you. Yeah. So the if you have a lot of those moments where you both just admit and own up to what the yeah. objective truth of the, of the situation is 100 percent. i feel like that's like that's so fun because yeah. the, the other thing that's interesting too and i didn't think about this until just now is that our our longest clients that we have like this is no accident uh they're also the ones that we have the deepest relationships with mm. obvious truth however those deep relationships uh all of them have had at least i would say one event where we worked with that team or that individual and where there were like a lot of laughs and where they're like yeah. shared, shared experiences. Like, yeah. So something like that, simple to say, simple to identify, but how do we go about getting more of those moments basically? Well, it's interesting because my mind just jumped to, um, I feel like it's an earned thing. Um, and like, I reflect a lot on, I coached uh, high school sports for five years and I reflect on that period a lot because it was just this like beautiful microcosm of life. Um, where there was this like field and this sport and this team and these players and like there were so many dynamics and, and anyways it was just like the lessons there are I always like turn to of like there were just truths um so one of them was like and I would express this to the team like we're gonna ha- we're gonna handle our business and have fun but yeah. like it's an and it's not an or because I don't really like uh and this is someone who loves comedy I don't really like when people are being just silly for the sake of silly or um, not really doing what they need to do mm-hmm. um, and then and joking around. I think that's like reckless um, and it's given it's like giving almost giving humor a bad name, you know, like it's not preparation. It's just distraction. Like not everybody, but a lot of people know the difference, right? Yeah. And yeah. I, I think so. Like to answer your I feel like if if you are crushing it or your job or not even crushing it, but like doing your job to expectation, then you've earned the uh, right to like have a little bit of humor in the process, you know? So Steph, who you met earlier, who's our co-founder, she's also my wife and our COO. Uh, she joined recently from Google and like since the beginning, she's always had like her mantra is always like have fun, but get it done. Yeah. And that last part is uh, the part that she likes to stress um, Yeah, yeah. because there's yeah. No, you can't, you're not going to have fun. You're not going to feel good unless you've prepared or unless you yeah. like everything's like lined up, ready to go. Um, so I guess maybe like the root thing that we're trying to get to is how do we solve the root of that problem, which is like preparation? So your preparation for stand up, for writing, for GSB, uh, does it start with writing or what's the... It's one of those where like, um, it could always be more. Um, like I think about John Wooden, who's like a great sports coach. Failure to prepare is preparing to fail. And it's like, 
Yes, that's like an intense jockey quote, but like, gosh, that's dang. That's so good. It's always true. Um, yeah. I do think preparation, um, comedy is a lot of writing. Um, but yeah, I, I do think like. It's also a lot of direct experiences in the real yes. world too. Because like I, everything started as a, pers- a personal direct experience that turned into a bit that got exaggerated. that got rewritten 100%. Seven, seven times or whatever. 100%. Yeah. And there's like one, like I've recently started doing this bit about, and I don't think it's like time. I maybe it just like jogged in my memory of like my, I joke like my double X girlfriend, which is two ex girlfriends <laughs> ago. Uh, so, I mean, we dated like six years ago, but I only now have started joking about that. She cheated on me. And I don't think it's because like, it stopped being raw. I, I don't know why it started to just like jog in my mind. Um, but I think it's just a way of, I think it's like catharsis and like, Oh, I'm okay with it. Like if I can joke about that, you cheated, like so I'm important. okay with it. I think it's so important, man, because it, it really pains me to see, like I was in the military before this and we all know individuals who there was a breakup, somebody cheated on them and stuff. They never recovered, man. And they, just, they, they never recovered. They never got to back to themselves or became something more. So, uh, yeah, I think that getting up in front of a group of people and saying that, like, yeah, somebody cheated on me. And? Yeah. Like, so what? Yeah. Uh, like, what? So what happened after you started sharing that in front of a crowd, too? Well, I have a question about for you, yeah, too, yeah. about uh, suing the armed forces. What was what's humor's place or not place there? Oh, it's uh, it's everything. It's everything, because in the best units, you're it is a an art of sitting in that much uncertainty and just crappy circumstance and uh everybody nobody's eight everybody's cold everybody's um right you know doesn't know if they're gonna have all their limbs and appendages in the next uh month or, or whatever so you can either uh create or destroy the moment and so you have an opportunity at any given moment you can mm. make it worse which it doesn't help anybody yeah. or you make it better and you can make it like a little bit more bearable a little bit more uh if you land a joke or if you land something funny, then it brings meaning to the situation. Uh-huh. And then it turns something that, you know, you had a deployment to Egypt that is usually uneventful to, we had a deployment for Egypt and there are crazy stories that happen like every single week or whatever. Or there's, they're like pranks that people pulled on each other. So I think it's like humor in the military is really like, it's an acquired taste. It's an acquired art. And the cool thing is it's different from company to company. So, a company in the military might be 150 people, which falls under like Dunbar's number. That's like the a unit at which you can have like a shared culture, a shared humor and everything. So from company to company, you're going to have a different like humor, basically. And you're going to have to learn the humor of that company to start to like fit in and like find your place in the hierarchy and stuff. Because that's what's interesting, too, is like in the military, the hierarchy prevents a lot of ex- experimentation. So in order to be someone who lands jokes, you're only going to have like one person in the company that's basically like maybe one to three people or a couple of people in leadership positions that are actually earned the right to joke. Yeah. Well, to your point, I mean, I feel like my mind goes to do things. One is I definitely think it is like once we handle the thing that uh, we are our, our, our purpose for being somewhere or doing something, then I think we have the opportunity to uh to be humorous and then even use humor moving forward as an effective way um but like you know i want to be honest about it like if i were and now i'm like playing out an extreme like yeah like if i went to a doctor for a procedure i wouldn't want the dude like cracking no you know no, what I mean? no completely it's like 
So yeah, so it's like, but when the set and setting of it is yeah. like, is is so so important. Yeah, because then like, then you don't have any um priming that is in, involved of knowing that like it's safe to laugh here. Laughing yeah. has happened here before. But where's the where's the first place you did improv or stand up at? Was it was it a club? Was first it- uh, improv was um, Upright Citizens Brigade, which is in New York and L.A. and it's like a great theater and program. So I did it for like four or five years. And I like improv a lot. I love the team part of it and like the spontaneity and agreement and adding. Um, it's it's a great thing. I do. I like stand up more. I'm just more drawn to it. What, what was the moment you decided to tr- transition from improv to stand up? Yeah. Was that like after th- a couple years of improv or? I had a moment. Yeah, I was doing improv. And then I was like, I just had a moment. Where I was like, I'm, I was really getting like into that culture and spending like hours at this like boot camp workshop group every day and i i just had a moment where i was like if i dedicated this amount of of time to stand up and also like i have what i love stand up is it's a way of communicating your thoughts your beliefs um who you are your lens on the world what's happening to you your fears whereas improv though i love it it's like it's almost like putting off does it feel like it's putting off comedy at a certain point because you're not just like really going for you're still trying to co-create something instead of just take ownership and agency over the actor I yeah know. i mean i i love there's so many great parts of improv the team building the uh thinking on the top of your intelligence very quick there's a lot of great things but like and but you're being still not real um you're creating a scene out of nothing and you're finding a game and dynamics but it's like a not really like a real thing whereas stand-up is people i think like bearing their souls right right um you know yeah so i was just more drawn towards that and then i remember i had like a very honest moment with myself where i was like all right Alec, like i've been obsessed with stand-up i'm such a geek about it my entire life and i had and but i still was too scared to do it and i had a moment where it was either like all right alex you can either do it mm-hmm. Or be okay with the fact that you're going to be 70 years old and regret it. So, like, do whichever one you want, but, like, yeah, those are the two options. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and I, like, went for broke. Um, gosh, there's, like, so many silly moments with it all. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, spe- so, speaking of going broke, though, because I think this is great, um, have, have you put yourself in any positions where it's, like, I got to get this gig to get paid. How how far have you pushed it? And do you think that there's a place in comedy for putting your back against the wall to the place where you're like, you got you got to make the money, you got you got to make it happen? Or do you think that that's like kind of reckless? Because comedians like you know Bill Burr and folks like that are to the extent that it's true. I'm not sure, uh, but they they share a lot of things about like you know like I spend all the money because I can't take it with me. Don't want to spend it on uh, certain things, but I like to spend it because then. I have that feeling of my back is against the wall. I have to make it happen. Um, so yeah, what type of role are the uh, economic incentives or what type of role do economic incentives play? This is a fascinating question that like the business world is trying to answer. The really? VC world, the startup world, uh, they're pretty interested in this question, I would say. I am too. So at what point can a comedian like be free to create? And at what point do they need like incentives where rent is not getting paid at the end of the month if they don't crush this bit well i think it it goes to like what they value because i think there's some comedians who you'll hear it in their act and you can tell like they're money oriented and they want to make a lot of bank um and there's other people where i don't think it's their i don't think they care i think they just love stand-up and love recording and love creating and uh 
love like doing comedy. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's no doubt that the need, like the desperation of like, I have to do this, uh, is a powerful motivator. Um, I don't think I don't think it has to be the forcing function at yeah. all. I think that, I think that there are certain people that think that it is, and and if you're there, you should obviously win. You should not stay there. You should not keep right. You know, you should you should not uh, keep keep losing. But um, I think a lot of people think it's a prerequisite. Um, I think that that is a uh, kind of like a pop wisdom thing. Um, but yeah, so I, I think too creation though, or at least playfulness, like it doesn't happen if you're stressed out, right? Right. So where, maybe like self-care is, is the larger issue here because comedians and that space, it fascinates me for a number of reasons. But um, I think the largest one is I don't think there's a lot of successful exits. Let's, let, so this is something about comedy that I don't see a lot of older comedians, if that makes sense, that I want to uh, emulate. There are very few, basically, from the larger pool sure. of comedians because I feel like there are a lot of those individuals, they're definitely originals, right? Like that's, that's yeah, why they're there. Yeah. That's why they made it. But part of the trade-off of that is like, is it so lonely, you think, exploring a field like that and getting to the top of it that, you know, it's just soul crushing or like what, what's going on there? Because you, you get the phenomenon I'm talking about, right? You're or, saying- um, I don't see any examples of like career trajectories. I, I, they, they, a lot of them fall off basically. Like a lot of folks get- you know, there's drugs, there's alcohol, there's suicides. Like these are really, really prevalent things in the right. comedy landscape. Right. So yeah. How are you thinking about like making a long-term successful journey? Cause does that, <laughs> stuff, terrif- doing all does that stuff terrify you though? Cause I look at the industry and I think like, man, there's like a lot of challenges here that there's a lot of stuff that people are struggling with. Yeah. Ah, gosh, and, and, and not always, you. not always. There's a lot of healthy comedians for there sure. There are, but it's it's funny like at this current moment i am struggling to think of like <laughs> i'm struggling to think of a older like a gray-haired comedian With like a happy, who has it all together and a is happy, happy healthy family so rogan comes to be super cliche like joe rogan comes yeah, to mind I where agree. he's like had a very successful so one career thing life. about and this is what I, I agree as well and 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 why i love american ninja warriors um comedy like you have to be a normal person like Jerry Seinfeld is probably the biggest example of uh, now, now that we're now that we're thinking of that he comes to mind of, of someone who's like, um, but like you have to be a normal person to a certain degree, like because you can't outsource the activities of being a human. You still have to be on customer service calls. You still have to like book your own plane tickets and miss your flight. Yeah. Like you have to do that to be able to comment on it and relate to people. Right, so I right. think anyone who's kind of gone off the rails has either insulated themselves through friends or through substances. That's a wise, that's a wise you know? observation, right? Like is that in the entertainment industry or in the world of startups and stuff? I think it's like, a similar phenomena plays out where isolation occurs and then that individual is like doesn't get good information or yeah. doesn't have the right uh the right yeah. like chief of staff maybe like we we're talking about earlier so yeah how do you think about building like the culture the team your family your friends you're, you're not building all those but you are contributing so yeah how do you think about building the team around you I like american ninja warrior is just it's just the best and like you know, wherever it happens from here i i'm still just so in love with the sport and the culture of it because it's just very real and honest. And like every time I will show up like tomorrow, I'm going back to LA early so that I can go train with this group that they happen to train Wednesday nights, an hour away from me until midnight. But it's like, I kind of love every part of it. Like I love that. Like, um, once you're there, right. 
Yeah. Maybe or like once you're in, once you're totally. getting, getting started. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, it kicks your butt every time. And, uh, but it's just like, I feel like it keeps me honest and keeps me, especially like I do a lot of motivational comedy and motivational work. So like, I, I don't know, I would just feel so insincere if I were telling people like face your fears, overcome failures without if like, you weren't proactively doing, doing the damn stuff thing. That, yeah yeah because yeah, that's uh you know you weren't were you a professional athlete before american ninja warrior so i point? played uh world championship lacrosse um but no so my wife and i went to salisbury um what, what did sports teach you about or what did lacrosse uh, teach you you mentioned coaching earlier but what did actually playing it and getting in the arena teach you how much time we got <laughs> um god I, I love sports so much um i think like i feel for people who don't who dismiss sports as um grown people battering each other with helmets yeah because like i don't love the like that like i don't geek out about the playoffs right now of like um nba or anything like that but what i do fall in love with is the like the human element of it sure i, I just think like sports are way closer to art than anything else like the depth of emotion like i i do love lacrosse and so i geeked out and watched every single lacrosse game that like but like you have these kids who are 20 years old crying their eyes out and hugging each other and it's just like zoom out for a second i just think sports really create this like microcosm of like there's a tangible goal I'm going to commit all of myself to it, my focus, my effort, my my heart, and I don't know what'll happen, but I'm going to give everything I have to it. That's freaking life. Yeah, it, it really is. And I feel like looking back to at sports, it's like the first time where you have to submit to constraints in order to get an outcome you want or creativity mm-hmm. and stuff. And I feel like that practice yeah. is... Uh, it was frustrating. It was frustrating. It still is frustrating for me. It's something I struggle with. However, once you get started though, and you have those constraints or you have a great course in American Ninja or something yeah. like that, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. So I would be really curious to hear too, like what are your larger ambitions for American Ninja Warrior for comedy? Is is winning at all something you want? Or well, what's- I competed this year and I like, obviously, you know, can't talk about it. Um, this season uh, will air on the 29th. I'm not sure when this will release, but uh, nice. maybe it will. When and where is it uh, live? Or uh, can people find NBC? it? NBC. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Love yeah. Very cool. um, and like, I think this is vague enough. Like, I know that I could have done better. I could have done worse, but I know that I could have done better. And what's like really, I like, I had another like talk with myself because <laughs> um, I could train for a year apply to be on the competition and not get accepted. Mm. So not have the chance. So a year is a long time to train with an unpromised, uh, like, I don't know what'll happen. Yeah. So really the choice is just like, do I, I have to enjoy the road of training. Like I, tomorrow I have to enjoy going to this training or else there's no, and Apollo Anton Ono has a great bit about it. Um, cause he's a speed skater. Sure. So it's like, am I going to, train for four years for an eight second race like is that what my life is is eight seconds out of four years or do i just love what my life is because of this sure the second option sounds like a safer it is a safer bet especially because earlier you're talking too about the uh, regret minimization framework or something like that and that's uh just yeah it's just so important so 
what's for someone that's listening um, that hears all of this right now? It's pretty intimidating. So you're successful at sports, you're successful oh, at comedy, yeah. at, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of these these things. But these are really really hard pursuits. So are you thinking about like adding more skills, more different like pursuits? Or are you thinking about going deeper in your existing ones? Yeah. What's, what's that process I like? I say or, I'm like very you know my flaw that i have is saying yes to too many things and i've like become better at it but i'm realizing like the impact or results get watered down like i i think you know i'm sure a lot of people listening and and, and chad you might relate like i think we all um believe like well i'll just dig deep Mm. and like yes but at some point there are only 24 hours of the day and there is only so much you can dig deep before like your dig deep reserve is at maxed out it's completely maxed out so and like yeah. i have i'm definitely at a place where like <laughs> no no I, I so i had just a complete uh and we'll talk about this more but like just a moment like that yeah uh, t- two weeks ago um where you just realize that you're tapped out because you just haven't I, I didn't take vacation tried to work seven days a week for a long time and like not try. I did. It worked, yeah. worked great. Worked great for a while. I got to accomplish what we need to have accomplished. But then, yeah, I hit that hit that moment with you. So exactly that. Well, what was your moment of deciding? Okay, now I got to uh, tone it back. Was it you reached your goals, or were you lacking in another aspect of your life? What was? I mean, it was just a literal, complete c- coming coming close to be just completely over overwhelmed. Like it was just at a place where I was just so burned out that I had nothing to say, nothing to talk about. Um, I was just, I went out for a walk, like a walk by myself and just like, t- I think took a nap or something, but it was, it was basically just a boring end to burn out and then trying to work 12 hour days. It was just, it was just super boring. And it was super, um, opening because it, like I had been depressed the whole time I was doing it. I was, wow. aware, I was aware of that. However, looking back at it, you're like, yeah, it's not, it's something that like that type of energy is something you're bringing to your team. So it's right. something that if you're not going to be a CEO or like a chief emotional officer, I like, I love that. I love that acronym because your emotions will transfer to the team, whether you like it, or yeah. whether you want them to or not. Um, yeah. It, it's basically just like a good reality check for me that I needed to have humor, fun, play and all those things in my life. But it was also a reality check that I hadn't done the preparation necessary to not have to work the 12 hour days and you know. The, cra- the crazy workload and stuff was a result of me not having done the adequate preparation before that. And there was like, there was some ego involved because I had agreed to take way less money than we actually needed to hit our milestones. So I had forced myself into a situation mm. where I had to solve it, but it was also, you know, back was against the wall, I had to solve it, but it resulted in just like, just a yeah, pretty big setback emotionally uh c- coming out of it and everything and like good to go however it's something that like yeah you, you've been there too and pushed yeah. up to that point um but i feel like too knowing where that point is at is really important and up until then i didn't know where i was at right i thought i might be able to just like keep going and yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I knew i was gonna like stop eventually but um yeah so how, how are you thinking about that battle and keeping the uh the energy stores and the uh the mindset stores on full well um you know Warren Buffett's got a great one too of like put your top five goals uh, or you know write down your top 20 goals and uh, I'm butchering it now like you know number six to whatever 1520 uh, avoid at all costs because it really is like the watering down of efforts and focus um, so like I have a few things on the plate that I want to like honor and see through the door 
Um, it's tough though, because, and I'm, I'm sure people would relate to this. It's tough to identify, like, it's easy to dismiss the ones where you're like, well, this doesn't really satisfy my heart or my ambition or, you know, there's really, I, I could easily let this one go. Sure. But then there's other ones where you're like, oh, it's kind of in line with, you know, my heart, my passions or my career goals. So it's, it's, it's really tough to, uh, identify isn't, it. Isn't it interesting how the things that are additional were usually more sympathetic to them about considering them and, and everything like, like the, the, the more stuff that gets added to the schedule, I feel like I don't judge it as harshly as I, I should. I feel like I should be sure. more like, uh, aggressive. So you mentioned you, you want to get better at saying no and stuff. So like, what are some things that you're going to do to start like pushing back on that? Or how are you going to, uh, yeah, take a break. This stuff? sounds like, um, like this is not, and I hope people listening, like it's like my, and, and maybe, you know, it's, it's how we grew up and all that. Like part of me wants to like shove me and be like, you're not that important. Like, cause this one person, you know, reached out and was like, um, by the way, this is someone I don't know. Um, it's not like a friend was like, Hey, can you grab coffee? This, I don't know this person. And they're like, I think there's good, uh, business overlap or something like copy paste generic. Uh, yeah. Yep. And I'm like, let's do a call. Cause like, sure. especially in LA, man, like traffic and everything. I'm like, do I want to commit three hours with someone I don't know? They're not a friend. Yeah. You there's, know? No, there's no context. There's or, no, there's no intro. Five minute phone call. Yeah. And that like, um, I've, that has been the number one where like, I've looked at more things and been like, Hey, uh, I'm just not gonna be able to, to do this. And unfortunately it also makes you, uh, be really, uh, like with friends. Cause you know, between everyone's busy, everyone's busy. Exactly. So it's yeah. like when you have those moments of like, Oh, I can actually have a catch up coffee or call with someone like who are those people? And unfortunately yeah. some people are gonna, you know, not be there. Yeah. And I think that just starting to think about that stuff more with friends is uh, so important because like you're spending time, you're becoming more like those people through osmosis yeah. and it's, yeah. it's going to happen. So what, who are you spending your time with? Um, something else that's interesting too, is like, I love the idea of going much deeper with people. So like we just got back from our team offsite and it's cool to catch up with people. It's great to grab a coffee or lunch or something, but it's also a lot of fun to go on a trip for a week with someone and uh, get to know them in you know, give yourself like eight swings of the bat to go on a hike or yeah, go, yeah, like go, yeah, go for yeah, a walk yeah. on the beach or whatever it is. Um, so I feel like the depth part of the equation gets left out a lot. And like, it's easy to do a lot of like small things, um, but picking one thing and then going really deep on it, that's that's a whole nother challenge. Is, is there anything, obviously comedy and like training and sports, that's that's like that for you. What type of comedic goals do you have? Is it like a, is it a stand-up special on Netflix? Is it a, your own show, uh, like writing that eventually what's most, um, motivating or is it like just recognizing where you're at right now, which is incredible. Well, it would be like the, like Brene Brown just had a special on Netflix. Like motivational comedy is more what I am, what fires up my heart. Right. And like, um, I think there's a lot of funny people in the world and, um, and couching it in motivation might be the best. Sorry. Like put, putting their funny into motivation might be a good way that's, to like introduce it. Right. Yeah. Like that's, and that's like, I think back to when I was coaching and like why I was effective with the, the players and the athletes is like being honest and having fun with them and talking about things. Um, and so that's what I've wanted to do professionally since. And like, yeah, so thankful that the last two years it's like become more of a reality, like doing motivational comedy and as my job, um, so yeah, like I, I, I do like when my mind wanders, it would be to like 
throwing my own event or like really setting up a culture of people who want to achieve goals but have fun doing it along the way yeah very cool and alex before you go is there anything that you would leave our listeners with whether it's a story thought experiment or challenge it could be anything i feel like i owe it in this like setting just to some of the things i'll say are like they're simple things that i think we all know but sometimes we just need to be like nudged about them again it's like what do you want to do? <laughs> yeah. Like just asking yourself that, right? Yeah, just to, and, again and again. And, and, and yeah. allowing the answer. Cause sometimes I feel like our rationality or our fear, I feel it sometimes we're like, I'll get a block and my mind won't let it go. And it's just like, whew. and why I think humor is great is it, it puts us at ease. So maybe we can yeah. even ask like, it's a state change too. Yeah. Your physiology is going to change. If you like think, yeah. yeah, just ask yourself, what do you want to do now? And then laugh or watch a stand-up yeah. special and ask yourself, what do you want to do? Compare yeah. the answers, maybe. Um, who, who should people be following? What, what comedians? Uh, it's a good question. Um, if it's comedy, I mean, I feel like it's whatever uh, speaks truth to you. I, I love, like, I think Theo Vaughn and Fahim Anwar. Um, Theo, are, Theo, I think, is one of the most innovative comedians right now. Super funny. Yep. And especially if you listen to, like... Um, we're we're friends, but I would never stretch like and be like we're homies. Uh, but I, I I've known him for a number of years, and like even just like listening to his stand up from like I don't know like six years ago to now, mm. I think just like the progressive nature of it, and in, I think he's an important voice because of who he is, where he's from, and the audience he brings in yeah. with his open mindedness. Yeah, yeah, I think that having more comedians like that that represent a group that is not been heard in the media yeah. the media landscape is uh is, is so important because like the uh the people that are creating our media are generally like it's from new york it's from la right. and like that's fine but it's there's a lot of other places in the, so in many the other world. places yeah a lot of other places it turns out uh, so you have to run but this has been awesome we'll, we'll have to get you back in for round two when you're back to. in town and uh, we're gonna do a longer interview next time so alex thank you so much for joining us and uh yeah we'll see you next time yeah thank you it's awesome Mission.org is a media company with a daily newsletter, network of podcasts, and brand studio designed to accelerate learning. Head to Mission.org to get award-winning podcasts like The Mission Daily, The Story, IT Visionaries, Education Trends, Marketing Trends, Future of Cities, and more. Mission Studios has worked with companies like Salesforce, Twilio, and Katera, to create custom media channels that drive results. Make sure to subscribe to the mission's daily newsletter at mission.org. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.